Starting again, so whatever I just said, forget about it. Okay. In our attempt to study the unique features of the Parshanut of Abarbanel, who was a 16th century exegete, one of the last of the great medieval Parshanim, we opened up a text that is certainly very controversial. It's easy enough to call a spade a spade in biblical teachings. That's Pashut. Commentaries would do so. However, when you have a very striking text that seems to go to the heart of the Jewish people, and then a parashan, whoever he may be, whether it's Rashi, Ezra, Rashbam, or Babanel, takes a pathway that is, seems to be very radical, we want to highlight that and try to understand that particular parashan. So we took a very controversial text. We took the text about King Solomon's alleged transgressions. We had read the text very clearly, and the text clearly says, according to what we thought is a Peshat level, that King Solomon, as great, as extraordinary, as overwhelming as he was, clearly sinned. The text in, Shem, in Milachim Aleph, Perikit Aleph, says on a number of different occasions that, Thank you, 7, page 738, that he did evil in the eyes of God. He loved foreign women and Paroh, from the specific degree that God said, do not marry them, they'll turn your heart, specifically after them, Shalom HaMelech went to love. He loved them. He had many, many wives, 700, 300 Pilachim, they turned his heart, when he became older, they turned his heart after foreign gods, his heart wasn't full with Hashem as David his father. And furthermore, let's just read this verse Shalom went after the pagan gods of Ashtoreth, the god of the Sidonim, of the Phoenicians, and after Milcom, the god of the Ammonim, verse 6, Twice it tells us that. So this seems to be a very clear indictment as to what Shalom is all about. And even verse 7 tells me, Shalom built an altar to this god, Kemosh, the abomination of the pagans. And we are then looked at Melachim Bet, where again it's recorded, Said it again 500 years later. On the other hand, we never simply are happy with only one hand in biblical teachings. We did have, and we did make an attempt to understand Shalomu HaMelech as not having sinned, without even looking at any secondary sources. And really, we looked at the pasuk. His heart wasn't as full as David, but he was a good guy. He wasn't as perfect as David, but he was okay. Now, we had a problem trying to fit in all these other Pesukim. You have ten Pesukim that seem, seem to indict Shalomor. And we tried to, other interpretive Parshanut possibilities. But however we came up at the end of the day, most of us felt that Shutor Mikra, the text as it is over here, seems to be saying something negative about Shalomor HaMelech. We didn't intentionally go to the classical Mefarshim, Rashi, Radak, because that's skipping a thousand, two thousand years. We went to the first level of Pashanut after the Peshatoshna Mikra of the text, as we understood it, to check out our abilities at reading a text. Maybe we were really wrong. Now, we then therefore took the first level. Who's the first level? The Talmud. You have the biblical text is in front of us it was authored over here in the 8th or 7th or 6th centuries 
clearly enough. Melachim Aleph Perek Yud. Melachim Aleph Perek Yud. Written probably by Yirmiyahu, perhaps. Some say Yirmiyahu put together Melachim, which means the 7th century. Fine. 500 years later, 600 years later, the Talmud comments on this verse. And we had seen over here that the Talmud, to our surprise, took us off in a completely different direction which upset us. Which seems to be, seems to be, completely opposed to the Peshat, in quotes, that we came up with. Peshat means what's in the text. Dinash means what I'm going to fancifully create and then relate to the text. We'll come back to that point. Some of us were upset at this turn of events that the Gemara went directly against the Peshat or perhaps the Gemara is the Peshat. How could we be so off? How do we read the text so differently? Is a question that we all had to meditate over and ponder this past week. Were we really off? Or is the Gemara really on and saying it's a Peshat and that's a, and, and, or is that the Dinash? Now before we get really upset there's some questions we have to ask. Our first obvious question is was the Gemara itself necessarily concerned about the Pshat? In other words, do we know of any other examples where the Gemara itself engages in what we call Dirash, Agadita? Yeah, of course, there are tens, twenties, thousands of places where a Gemara text will do what we call Dirash. And what the Gemara calls Dirash. What's an example of that? Pasuk says in Devarim, what does that mean? When you go out into warfare, Torah has a very specific set of rules about how Jews conduct themselves in warfare. Very clear. It's not that you can do anything that you want to do. There's Torah law about warfare. For example, I see a beautiful woman. I can't touch her. Called Isha Fatoar. Can't touch her. I whatever, but can't touch her. In most societies in the world, history of warfare says, women you see, you could touch, you could rape, do whatever you want. She's, she's a, what is she? She's the enemy. We don't do those things in war. Even more so, Torah says, you see a fruit-bearing tree. You can't cut it down. That tree's not your enemy. Don't touch the tree. Don't touch the tree. Furthermore, Torah says, have a kind of spade like a, a peg, a peg, on your utensil of war, to dig out the ground, and do your nature's calling, outside the Mahane. Why? Because Hashem is in your military camp, and you have to have respect for Hashem. You can't do your nature's calling anytime, any place you want. Go out of the Mahane, dig a hole, do it, and then come back to the Machaneh. Same way you can't say a Beracha in a bathroom. Right? Bathroom is not a place to say a Beracha. You can't say a Beracha in a bathroom. It's not appropriate. Today's so now, bathroom. Yeah, today's bathrooms too. Did you really? Today's bathrooms? That's a different question. He's a bathroom person. There is, I, was, there is some issues because the Se'ah, because the So'ah, because that which is there leaves the premises, but there still may be odors, so there are questions, but Chambu Vodiyah concludes at the end, do not say Berachah there, 
He allows you to say, to do it to in Ambatya, in a room which is an anti-bathroom, the room, but not a Berachah there either. If your question is why. He doesn't really say in Yakut um, Yosef why that is the case. We have to go to Yabi Omer, where he does talk about these issues, as to why in, an, in a room which is only a sink, only sink, closed off from the actual urinals, why not Berachah there? But that was a pretty extraordinary tangent. Are you aware of all that? He just took us on that left field. Paul O'Neill, this action over here. Okay, back to this. So what does the Gemara say in that Pasuk? Take a yated, a finger, and put it in your, not azanecha, but at rather, what's another word? Sounds like azanecha? Oznecha. What does oznecha mean? Ear. And don't listen to the Shonhara. What's the shot of that Pasuk? Hashem wants me to take a spade and dig a hole, or do you want me to put my finger in my ear? What's the shot of that Pasuk? Spade. So now in that context, says, take a spade, or a peg, peg is a better word, a peg, dig a hole, do your thing, come back. And then the concept of using your finger, not to to Lashon Hara, when people start talking about it, is a dirash. The rabbis knew it was a dirash, nobody was fooled it was a dirash, not Peshat, everybody agrees. The Ben Abraham Ben Hanamban, one of the great thinkers of the Jewish tradition, in fact says that four out of five Midrashim that the rabbis speak about are not literally true. They're not literally true. Their ideas, their concepts, their emotions, all kinds of things that the rabbis spoke about come into this category called Dirash or Agadita. Good. So one question that we want to ask of our Gemara, was the Gemara trying to talk about Pshat? Or did the Gemara at that particular point have a different agenda? Let me give you an example of a different agenda Gemara, which we just recently came across, and we'll do it very quickly. It was a, a fascinating Gemara. If we could find it quickly here. Look how I carried this thing. I didn't drop it and fall like I always do. Okay, it's something that one wants to look at. Because the is a, is a, is a company that came 400 years later. Or 700 years later. So that's something that we could look at and analyze. Here's an interesting issue. In Eschatabanim Daf Yud, and this is a fascinating issue in the same exact context that we're talking about now. To prove my point, that Gemara does not always talk about Pshat. We have a Pasuk from Mishle which says, goy. Righteousness raises up the Goy. Okay. The kindness of a Goy is a sin. What does that mean? The kindness of a Goy is a sin? What does that mean? That means any time a Goy does a kindness, it's a sin. So the Biochanam Zakai raise the question, he asks all of his rabbi friends, what does this really mean? The Bible says, so the God of Goy, let's talk about the Jewish people, God, so we, so the God raises us up, righteous raises us up, because they go, and he gives a pasuk for that, Hashem means, any time a Goy does any kind of master hesed, it's a transgression, because they're not sincere about it. So we just condemned all the Goyim. Okay, good. So Goy comes to give you some charity, don't get, don't take it. Throw it out. He has interior motive. They only do it to self-aggrandize. They don't really care about you. Their chesed is garbage. Okay, that's the first opinion about what this pasuk means. And we have a pasuk from Daniel which makes that point as well. And then we raise another question on that. And then we have another opinion about that. The Yishua says, That they do. They always transgress. 
They only do chesed because they want to extend their throne. What do you mean? They know that if they're good guys, what's, what's Hashem going to do for them? If they're good, what's Hashem going to do? He'll extend their throne. So they only do good, not because they care about doing good, they only do good in order to extend their throne. We don't want to extend these evil people's throne. Imagine the Nazis. They'll, they'll give a Jew a piece of bread, so they'll have another thousand year reign. And as a chut of the bread, we'll give them a thousand year reign. We don't want to do that. Don't take the bread from them. Spit it out. Don't let them give any opportunity to do any good for you. That's what Yamara is saying. Okay, good. And we have a pasuk that supports that as well. Good. Ben Gamaliel says, so the Katar Ramayam, good. Another explanation, that this first part of the pasuk is Israel, good. Hashem Ramayam, good. Kosa Ramayam, good. Kosa Ramayam, good. Het hulahen. Shehen osim elah et yaherbo. They want to be arrogant about. And Kosa Ramayam, good. Kosa arrogant, the fellow Gehinam. So all of the chesed, they all have ulterior motives and they're negative. Don't accept the chesed from them. Good. And what? And for that also. Now, they said, he's not happy. He said, we still need the opinion of Rabbi Azir Modi'i. He has the right opinion. Another Talmud of Rabbi Hamazakai. To curse Otano. Their chesed really wants to curse us. Okay, so that's to curse us. Last opinion. Rabbi Yochanan says, He says the following. So the Kav Tiromem Goy, the Chesed, he puts a comment after the word Chesed, is all Jewish. So the Kav refers to the Jews, the Chesed refers to the Jews, and Olomim Hatat. Every Goy is a sinner. Don't even forget about the issue of doing Chesed. So he takes it out of its original context. So the question you're asking over here is, what's the Peshat of this Pasuk? So we discussed this, some rabbis discussed this. Rabbi Yochanan Benakai says to the students, one second, I think the right answer Rabbi Yochanan Benakane. But if he is right, you're wrong. What did he say? Again, he's the last thing. He said, All Sedekah which raised up the Jewish people in Chesed of Israel, Ul-Umim, they were always sinning. Which is clearly not the Pshat. So it's obvious best. Amalhem Rabbi Yochanan Benakai, because he tells the students because raises the Jewish people and he puts down the Goyim that's what I'm getting at I said wow interesting but Rabbi Yochanan had his own explanation which nobody ever said what's your explanation teacher what do you think oh mine is his he already said that the other one was the better one which puts up the Israel and down the Goyim his is something else hold on he says In the same way that a korban hatat atones for the sins of the Jews, so too righteousness atones for the Umot HaOlam. Saying to me, what about the Umot HaOlam? They have a shot. Their righteousness atones. They're okay. Very perplexing Gemara. Now, our issue over here is the following. Why is the Yochanan B'Zakai doing all this? Why is he explaining this Pasuk to begin with? Here I have a regular game. says, yes, I have a question. He's in the school. I have a question. What does Pasuk mean? Is he all of a sudden concerned about a Pasuk in Mishleh? Not studying Mishleh. We have a 15-line Gemara over here that all of a sudden has an issue. What does Pasuk mean? What's his agenda? Good. 
for good. And what's the discussion about? None of the rabbis that discussed this, with Rabbi Sham about two, three days ago, got it. Except me. Which I will tell you in a second. You think that was his lesson of the day? Because that he... But is that really... Is his point of shot? He had a pasuk anyway. What the other rabbi said is still not a shot. He says, pasuk is, Tzedakah Tromem Goy. Tzedakah raises up a Goy. Let's call it a Jew. That could be Goy, could be a Jew. It means a nation. Fine. The Hesed Leomim Hatat. The kindness of a foreign nation is a sin. That's what it means. So they were closer to that than he was. So what does it mean? So you have to add the word Korban Hatat. But Ezra adds the word Korban Hatat. But when you add a word to a text, that shot, they're in trouble. So Rabbi Shammah actually hit on a great explanation. He said, the word Hesed does not only mean kindness. What does Hesed also mean? Look in Vayikra Perekaf. If a man sleeps with his sister, Hesed who? Some words have interesting positive connotations. Some words have negative connotations. Same word. You look it up in Vayikra Kaf. I don't want to take the time for now. But it's a pasuk in Vayikra among all the abominations that if a man sleeps with his sister, Hesed who? We found ten other examples in Tanakh that Hesed means a negative word. Pasuk Yudzayin, I think. 20 to 17. You have to look it up. So now, so therefore the pasuk means that Siddhaqah raises up a goy, but the abominations of the Umot, they sleep together, which in fact they do. Incest is a very common part of pagan culture. is a sin. That probably is the pshat. Okay, good, interesting. But Rabbi Yohanan Mazakai was interested in that. What's his angle? Why is he exonerating and praising the Umot HaOlam? No, 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 no. No, 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 no. You should know this. Yeah. Good. Rabbi Zakai is arguing now among, thank you, his colleagues, and what's he really saying? I, you know the history, that in 70 years of the Common Era, Rome is besieging Jerusalem, right? Rabbi Yohan Zakai says, give in, let the temple fall, let everything happen. We have to survive. They can destroy us. They'll kill every single Jew. We don't. Let's get in. Whatever happens to the city, and and we'll survive. The rabbis will survive. The people will survive. The buildings will be crumbled. The people will survive. What's more important? What do the Kanaim say? The political and religious zealots? No. We're going to fight. We're going to kill them. We'll, we'll win. What do you need to win? You're getting smashed. Don't worry about it. Yudam Kabi, two hundred years earlier, against the Greeks, and who won? Yudam Kabi. He won. Didn't he win? So we'll win also. You don't get it because they say, no, we're going to get smashed. We'll be destroyed. We're devastated. They say, no. So what happened? What does the Gemara tell us? They, his students smuggled him out in a coffin. They said he died. They can't be buried in Shalim. And he's out. Then he has to deal with Aspasianos. He says, look, do what you want, your son. Give me, what's the famous phrase? Yavne Rechameha. Give me Yavne, the city of Yavne on the coast, and it's rabbis. And that's all I want. He says, yes, okay, no problem. Small little village on Yavne, it's rabbis. Take it. And you give me the city? You have the city. That's the power of the Jews. So Rabbi Yohan now has a vested political interest in seeing Goyim positively, not negatively. So his expression over here is, if they do a chesed for you, it atones for their sins. I guess, I guess the rabbis didn't build the politics. You're being funny. Survival. <laughs> yes, it's called survival. So, what is my point in this whole Gemara? 
he wasn't interested really in that Pasuk in Mishle. He wasn't interested in asking, what do you think, what do you think, what do you think? He had a political agenda to survive, and he, want, and he gave them an interpretation of the Pasuk, which was not the Peshat, but okay, I'm not concerned about that, in order to make his point that we can, in fact, give in to the Goyim. Why was it Rome. included in the Why, what? Why did the Why did the editor include? Well, there's a number of issues over here. First of all, this particular section, you have to ask a more important and a better question. What is the edit? What was the editorial policy of Rabbi Navarav Asher, who edited this Gemara 500 years after the fact? Right? We're not discussing that right now, but it's a very serious question. What did he include? There are multiple editorial policies that one may have, and you have to think through. That was, did he have an agenda? I mean, he edits it, means he selects. He takes us to the this. Now, he, he, he may or may not have had. His agenda may have been, I'm only gathering texts and putting them together. That's my only agenda. That might be his agenda. He's simply a collator of texts. That's all. That's one possibility. Maybe he had another agenda. So we have to analyze, and that's a very serious question, because he did put it in. Maybe his agenda was, he, maybe he knew what we're saying right now. He says, you know, we have to support Bavel. Is not, yeah, you're correct. Is not Bavel a power? Should we go against Bavel or should we keep it quiet? I mean, Yemiyahu, in chapter 29, he tells the Jewish people, you should pray for the welfare of the city in which you're in. Plant, sit, plant gardens, have children. You're going to be there a while. Why? Because it's not to the Jewish interest to rebel against the city that's going to crush you. I mean, would any rabbi now teach to rebel against America? Now we're here, we're living, we have freedom of religion. Bavel's okay. We ended up producing the Talmud, the Bavel, Talmud Bavli in Bavel. We had a great time in Bavel. What did I do this? Well, they may not know exactly the whole issue over here. Okay, okay, that's another issue, whatever it may be. So my point over here, again, is that we want to raise the question, does this section have any kind of agenda or is it simply trying to figure out all about Sh- Shilomo? In other words, Rabbi Shemuel Ben Nachmani, he's a one man, sent to school that day and says, you made a mistake. He didn't send it all. Right? And then we have all... But then they give out challenge. No, no, no. What do you mean? What do you mean? What do you mean? What do you mean? It says it's, it says it's hata. And, we, and then the Gemara quotes all of us against his opinion. It says, He answers. Question. Answers. Question. Answers. So now, interesting issue over here would be that our conclusion is that is this Gemara interested in the Peshtosh Mekra of this text? Does it have an agenda? Is it trying to defend the heroes of the Jewish people for some political or polemical reasons? Which I would do the same thing. If I'm speaking at a candlelight vigil over here, I'm not going to talk about Shlomo's wives. That experience of speaking over here, for 5,000 people were here, and I'm speaking, for the first time in my life, I said, I have to really get it right. Exactly. I have to shape my words in a way that's going to impact upon 5,000 Goyim. What do I know? How do, what did you say? I'm not going to say the word Akadosh Baruch Hu. I'm not going to say Borei Olam. Can I quote the Bible? If I, say, uh, if I do, I'm not going to say Tanakh, I'm going to say Bible. 
So it was. It was it, so did I. I did it more than he did. Yeah, two times he did it once. So the question over here would be, what do you say? Now you have to really think well through your whole agenda. What am I going to say that's going to impact upon them? What's going to make sense to them? Am I going to say Goyim are bad? <coughs> I'm not going to say that. Ironically, what I found, what I said was significant enough that every cop in town says hello to me now. Every cop in town. I mean, whatever I said, I don't even know what I said. I don't think it's so far. So far, I don't think it's. And they told me, just, just mention my name. And they, nobody gives nobody tickets. Yeah, very good. So, and, you, and, I, and people, and a number of people came to me and said, the fact that you spoke about the dignity of the human being, the dignity of you mean, Salem and Okim. I spoke about Salem and Okim, the dignity of the human being, the Shpat, and how radical Islam does not understand that. My old themes impacted and impressed them that here's a clergy person, he's a clergy person, after a priest, a minister, and Rabbi Dweck, that spoke about the dignity of the human being that they don't understand, that radical Islam does not understand. And I, and I thought in a nice context, I had a framework, I said, when I grew up in the 60s, I was uh, anti-American. I was a regular, normal anti-American. What, what's good about America? Till I went to Africa. And in Africa, I understood and saw all about how the black man is denigrated. Can you imagine, when you were in Africa in the 70s, when you were in 70s Africa, if you were white, you walked by a black guy, he cringed. You're the white guy. It's astounding. What fear they had of the white person. And I said, I went after that to, to Russia, where every human being was denigrated. If you walk in Moscow, there's a gloom over the human beings. Why? Because nobody's respected in Moscow. We believe, America believes in the dignity of the human being. Senator King, this country stands on biblical values. And it was the right message for the right people at the right time. Okay, but you have to shape it and, and do it right. And, and because you're talking to a whole different audience that we're not used to talking to. So, over here, if we were talking, if he, Shemuel, was giving a class, and there happened to be a guy walks in, and he happens to talk about Shalomor, he's not going to talk about the negative, talk about the positive. That might have been one angle. Or maybe he's talking, as we mentioned last week, to people who need to hear positive messages about their spiritual heroes. Some people read Peshat and they say, oh, I can deal with Shemuel having sinned. I discussed last week and I told you last week how when I told the shul that I smoked pot in the 60s, how they wanted to fire me. They weren't very happy about that. I lost another comment, see? See that? Unbelievable. Just like that. Oh, I forgot. I didn't smoke pot in the 60s. I was only kidding. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I promise you. I didn't, I didn't take it. I ate it. I, didn't, I ate it. It was not me. It wasn't me. But you're right. It's on tape. Be careful. Yeah. I, didn't, I can't admit it. I didn't do it. I don't know why I knew, but I didn't do it. So my point of view is that some people need pure spiritual heroes. Some don't. For children, we don't tell our children all of our flaws all of our negativisms, we tell our children positive things. We want to learn positive messages. So, one has to analyze this whole entire Gemara from that perspective. What was the intent of Shemuel Banachmani? And the Gemara challenges intent. And what's the conclusion? So, as we go through all of this, is this Dirash, is it Pshat? It seems very clear, when we look at it over here, that maybe we could say, there's no political issues over here, no polemical issues over here, and maybe there's no ideas to communicate, but really what's going on over here is that the Gemara really wants to understand Shalom In other words, the Gemara is challenging the opening statement on a shot level. How you say Lohata? It says, Yasar Avin Hashem, he did even the eyes of God. 
So how are you saying it lahata? No, no, I could answer that, Shavuot Barachamani says. So imagine the dialogue. This intense dialogue really seems to be an attempt of the Gemara to challenge the opening statement. And the Gemara is saying, Shlomo And Shavuot says, no, lohata. And they're arguing back and forth. In our Gemara, there was no argument back and forth. There was no discussion. You're right, I'm right, no, what about this, what about this, what about this? No. It's position, explanation, and sto- end story. The, so, what I'm concluding over here is the fact that they're arguing back and forth is that the Gemara certainly wants to see Shlomo in one way. It's raising all the scheme that we raised against him. And Shlomo Nachman, says, no, I can answer all of that. I can answer all of that. To Rav David, and it says, Az Yivnei Shlomo Bama. He built an altar. He didn't build. That's that. He wanted to build it, and he didn't build it. So the Gemara says, one second, what do you mean? He says, he built it. What says, then he built it. And Yeshua, it says, he built it. You say, Yeshua didn't build this great altar either? No, no, no. Yeshua built it, and Shlomo Amelech didn't build it. But it's the same exact word, as Yivneh. So how do you get that? So what does he say at the end? He says, no. And again, is it a stretch or not a stretch? He says, in the same way, Pasuk says, that Yoshiyahu, the king in 609, destroyed all of Dazara, so too, Shlomo did not do of Dazara. What do you mean by that? Well, really, two former kings, prior kings, Asa and Yoshafat, they're the ones who did what? They're the ones who had destroyed all of Dazara. They got rid of everything. But the Navi wanted to praise Yoshiyahu 200 years later. So they said, he didn't do it, but we gave him the credit. He was the final nice good king of Israel. That's that we had all bad kings. So we gave, we gave Yoshiyahu a lot of good credit. But he really didn't do it. So too Shlomo Amelech didn't do it, and we blamed it him also. So why would you blame him? As you pointed out last week, because he let his wives, yes, he let his wives do it, and he didn't do it. Didn't get rid of it. So that was negative. So the Gemara says at the end that Shlomo Amelech, he didn't do it, but we're going to blame him as if he did it. Because he let his wives do it. All that's fascinating and very interesting. And that's really the final conclusion of the Gemara itself. Although, when we go a few more lines down, the Gemara is very unhappy with Shlomo anyway. Because the Gemara says, the day, which we didn't get to last week, that the day that Amar Avudah Shemuel, the Sha'ash and Asa Shlomo at Bat Paro, when Shlomo married Bat Paro, he had Gabriel, the angel Gabriel, he put a reed in the Mediterranean Sea, and all kinds of uh, flora grew, and on that place grew Kirachadol, a great city called Rome, which also destroyed Amatash. So now are we blame Shalom Ahmed for this? Big time. Tashut, the at the end says, you're guilty of this. Because you married Bat Paro, therefore, they built Rome and Rome destroyed Beit HaMikdash. So at the end of the says, we're not letting him off the hook. Because really he's responsible for marrying Bat Parot at the very... Which is what our text, of course, is over here. Now, in addition to all that, what Shemuel Bar-Nachmani, this angle over here is, we're not sure yet. Why are we not sure? Why, didn't, why can't I tell you what his angle is? Well, A, it's maybe Pshat. Maybe he really reads his text in this way. Or perhaps with something else. If we were to study Shulban Nachman's all this political and ideas and everything else, <coughs> we may, be, uh, which I haven't done yet, it's hard to get. Uh, the Gemara gives, you know, samples like this. Uh, that uh, it, it looks like, you know, a person did something and really did not. 
Yeah, yeah. And the Gemara gives you, you know, like, on Gittim, Rabbi Hanina, it is Vikesh Lehol, Velo Achal. Yeah. But here I have a text that tells me, a Ken Achal. This tells me, a Ken Achal. But here it says Achal. Because we have to see every text individually. If my Torah tells me Achal, why is it Bikesh Lehol Achal? He wanted to Velo Asa. See, here we have the Pasuk says, it says literally, he went after the pagan gods. Gemara says, So what's the Pshat? This tells me that's not. This tells me Asa. Who Asa is it? No man, Lo Asa. That's not Lo Asa. So what's the Pshat? What's the Zerash? This says, Agreed, that's true. There's many, many, uh, agreed. So, it could be. It could be. But you have to figure out your sense is what is going on in this Gemara really? Is the Gemara trying to do pshat, dra, pshat or Darash? Defend him? What is he really all about? Maybe Shemur Bachmiz doesn't care really what Shemur really did a thousand years ago or fourteen hundred years ago. It only wants to present the positives of the Jews. Many rabbis will do that. If what did you cuss on don't tell me negatives. People tell me this. Don't, I don't have a shot. Don't tell me what it says. Close this book. I don't care what this book says. I only want to know the good things. He's bad. Okay, good. He's not a hero. Because he's, because he's an evil, because, because we know he's evil. But I don't want to put Shalomor in the same category. Every case is different. So all I'm saying over here that in this particular case, if I'm speaking about Shalom Melech in front of Goyim or in front of some other, let's say a reformed audience, am I going to tell Shalom Melech Hatta, No, I'm not going to, I'll ignore it. I don't want to say these people said. I tailor my message to my kahal. Sometimes, if it's a large audience, in a smaller crowd, of my students, maybe I'll read the Peshat and say, oh, the Peshat says this. What do you think about it? What does it really mean? Okay. The Marasha in this particular issue, and this is the last one we'll make on this Gemara, and then we'll go to the Babanel. The Marasha over here, who was one of the great commentaries on the Gemara itself, does say that, of course, Shalom Mohata. Lohata Babra He gets a middle-of-the-road kind of approach. The Marasha says over here, give me one second. The law of the said there was a Okay, good. Shlomo Hataino, Prusha, he said, Koskotashi. Prusha, she, Bobadazara, Akashno. They didn't sin in Abdazara. Aval, Bemashlomi Habinasha, Hata. Of course, he sinned in not having warned his wives. Come on. Inami, he also sinned. Bemashinasa et Nashim Nachriot. That's that he married all of these women. He sinned. He's no saint. He married a thousand women. He was not supposed to think, you know, himself, you know, he, he But he sinned. However, big mistake. A thousand times he made it again and again. And what he married these women? Hatava dies. He sinned this man. And even though in the Pirakei Ariad is love, he didn't, he didn't over on Vait Hatan Bam. The Gemara in Ariel says he didn't violate Vait Hatan Bam. Well, he didn't do that bad. But the Pasukah says, Vait Hatan Shalomor. What does that mean? Vait Hatan Shalomor. It says, Vait Hatan Shalomor. The girl says, No. 
Here says, he, he married them. Says, he didn't, Gemara says, Sarah says, he didn't marry them. What did he do? Why he do it? Sex. Znut means prostitution. His interest was, I don't want to marry you, I want to sex, have sex with you. You decide what's worse over here. <laughs> I mean, that's another issue. But the Mahashal simply says, he didn't marry them, he just said it is Znut. He raped them. They were prostitutes. They go yacht. He raped them. That's what he did. Whichever is worse is fine. So the Gemara says, as if he really married them. So now, why would the Gemara make a distinction? Here it says, the Pasuk is very clear. Is the word right in here? Yeah. No, I saw the word right in here. Didn't I see the word right yeah. in here? Yeah. Don't come unto them, don't come to you. Yeah. Is the word not here? Right. I thought I saw the word here. With Haten Maybe it's earlier. I might have seen it earlier. Okay. Look so you can see the word. Okay. So he didn't really marry them. But he only had sex with them. Okay. But, you know, see if the word appears there. Okay. In either which case, so he did yeah. sin. You see it? Yeah. yeah, where? 723. Okay. Okay. 723 or? Or What? Pedic Zion you're talking about? Pedic Zion. But I can't He's certainly married. I have that word. No, Rakach means he married anyway. Well, there is a... Right, ha- okay, so which chapter? Rakach? Yeah, right. Okay, 723. We're looking at what pasuk? I believe the word appears here someplace. I remember it some someplace, but I may be wrong. Okay. 723. The end of chapter 8? Pasuk 8. Yes, I don't see it over here. Oh, okay. That doesn't mean marry. The word lakach, kikach ish isha, means married. Kikach ish isha of Allah means he married. Lakach is the biblical word for marriage. Okay. But I, but we should see if the word is anyway. There might be some place in the Pasuk, but maybe it's not. Either way, either which way. Um, he certainly had a lot of wives. Do we see quickly? I thought I... So the word. But okay, either which way, the Gemara does not want Shilomor to have married these people. Why not? Because we, want, because we don't want Jews marrying non-Jews. We'd rather have Shilomor having sex with them and not marrying them. So the Gemara ends up saying that even though it seems to be that he married them. I'm sorry? How did he marry them? He didn't marry them. Well, that's another issue. They didn't have the edict at that That's another issue. It's an issue. Esau Shalomor, he loved them, he loved them, Minagrim, all that, Tavak Shalomor, Lahava, he loved them. Very, very, very sensual as opposed to... Oh, we have to look up in the Concordance, see if it puts any place. He already built this, and God was very angry at him. Okay, we'll find it. Yes, move on. So that's, that's the Masha. Now, how does Abarbanel, skipping over to Ashin others, how does he deal with these, with this issue? I find it fascinating, because he has to really decide what to do with this issue. This is all page one. And we won't do the whole thing now. We'll be, at least begin it somewhat. That's page one. And here's page two. Do you have, everybody, do we have enough? I'm sorry for this expanded of class. 
books. I don't know. And we have his other one. Okay, sure. Okay. Okay. Okay, we look at... This is about Mnau's commentary on Melachim. And he's going to raise a great question. A question that really we should raise. And that's why his attempt at understanding this issue is really according to the Peshat. You want to know something over here. I'll pay that to you, Aleph. Here. Okay, we all have in the bottom of the page. A harsh sechara katuf. Ma'alot shlomo. After the Torah, Navi gave us all these wonderful things about shlomo. Shlomo otav, his greatness. Siper, ech how, betachliot yamav, at the end of his days, sechalat yadav, he twisted his hands. Because he did all these terrible things, he had all kinds of agonies and problems and sorrows. Now in the Gemara, which we just learned, as we just learned. So he quotes the Gemara first. He reads the Peshat. He thinks that Shlomo sinned, but he then reads the Peshat of the text, and then he reads the Gemara. Bama lechmosh. Then there is the question that Shlomo built an altar to Kemosh. He did evil in the eyes of God, it says. Right? So we're going to the whole issue again. He should have rebuked his wife. As if he sinned. Right? All this is the straight Gemara. And after the text of the Torah of the Navi itself says, we also prove that now he wants to add something else. What made our rabbis deny the Peshat of the Ketuvim? In other words, for Rabbi Benel, it's very clear that the text is Peshat means he sinned. Right? Our rabbis equally clearly denied it. His question is, Why? So he's saying that the Gemara was interested in the Peshat. Shemuel Ba'anachman says, Peshat, he didn't sin. But Texas did sin. So, Gemara says, we know that he sinned. It says the black one that he sinned. Why did our rabbis deny the fact that he sinned? Right? So this is an interesting commentary so far. Right? We shouldn't know. What brought Hachamein L'Chanadcha? Le'achish. Achish means to deny. To deny. Peshtiyah Ketuvim. V'lomar. To say, and bring the rabbi say that whoever believes in the Torah's pshat is mistaken. So yes, analysis. And look, the Torah, the Navi itself, tzavach screams. Because what tzavach means to scream. The, the Navi screams. So the text screams that he sinned. Why are you denying it? That's what he's saying. Ha ha, fooled you. Page two. We have enough of page two. Pass it all down. I was I don't know why I didn't love page two. Right, you'll have? Why don't you share? Yes. Oh, okay. Is that the right page two? Let me see if I can make sure the right page. It's better. 
No, it was the wrong page. Um, what do you have? What do you have? No, it's the wrong page. It's the wrong page. Uh, no, 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 I don't. I do the wrong thing. I no, that's that's. This is Zion. This is Vav. Yeah, so I need this page. So you, where? I have Vav. You don't. You do have Vav? Yeah. Yes. Each. Oh, I, so I I did it really. So some people have. I need Tav Kof Mem Vav. On top of the right hand column. So, okay, so Zion is no good. So you just need the Vav. I'm sorry, I don't have Zion. I'm sorry. So I'll read slowly. Try, try. Yeah, not, so what we just said so Bama says but the text screams down says that he's saying the text screams down says that he's saying all that and it says he told us so God was intensely angry so Bama quotes now all the Pesukim which clearly indicate that he transgressed all his Pesukim indicate his sin. If so, I have a question. What's the Kasheh? Why did the rabbis turn from Peshu to him? For the shot of these things. And what seems to be in this issue came to them take note of Ebenel's understanding from logic something's logical is problematic in the text in the Torah's text clearly sent but he's bothered by something over there what's bothering about Ebenel so there's a logical problem and also and also the Ketuvim as well even the Savara and we if you want to go logically, Ki Hacham, is wise, such a brilliant man. Right. If he's so brilliant, how could it possibly be that he'll believe that he turned his heart to believe in the nonsense of Shikutsim Pagan nations. He's too smart for that. So we cannot accept logically that a man of such great intelligence would end up believing in paganism. Good point. So that's why they wipe Wait, wait, wait. You only have one point. Wait till you hear the whole story. Let's look at it Einstein. A man who knew all about physics and mathematics. Imagine if Einstein ended up saying something as absurd as the triangle does not have 180 degrees in it. We learn in 10th grade, the triangle has 180 degrees in it. Circle has 360 degrees. We all know that. So we found a work of Einstein, and here he says, triangle has 190 degrees. Can't be. Can't be. Something's wrong. It's the equivalent over here. If a very smart person making a very stupid decision, will Bill Gates ever make a stupid business decision? He did, it? He did already? He could? Not if it's a very simple one. If not if it's one that Mark would not make. If Mark was, do like, wouldn't make that, then he probably would make it as well. Would you agree with that, Damon? Cool. That's what I thought. <laughs> so that's the logic over here. Adam Shuk, because a man who was so brilliant... But he, what, he might not have been brilliant in other things. Well, so, okay, so about Manel's premise... This is like, it, it's 
so illogical that he would, that he no. would believe in that stuff. Not, doesn't make any he sense. didn't believe in it. The fact that he worshipped it just made him part of the, you know, he just got caught up in it. He didn't necessarily believe in it. Okay, well, Bob Bunnell, let's, okay, hold on to that. Bob Bunnell's premise over here is that this is foolish. This is a brilliant man. does not connect. Different pages over here. That's his first point. What you're really hinting at over here, maybe there are other forces at work in a person's psyche, ego, that might make him transgress even when he knows it's silly, which means the following. I walk by McDonald's. I know it's wrong. It's not healthy. It's 200 calories. It's tons of fat, and I buy when I eat it. Does anybody ever do that? Does you ever see a guy who's this big eating a McDonald's sandwich? It's the worst thing for him. He's going to have a heart attack, the guy. But he does it. So when you know what's right, it doesn't necessarily mean that you always do what's right. Especially if his women are pushing him. So you're right. But we didn't see that yet in Ababa now. So the first point Ababa now is making says, logically, why would a brilliant mind accept stupidity? That's not, okay, that's, 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 right, that's so far, yeah, that might be the answer. But right now, just really just focusing on, doesn't make sense intellectually yet. We'll see if he answers that. But we don't know that yet. His first opening point is that the rabbis turned from the Peshat of our text because they couldn't logically accept the fact that a man as great as smart as Shalomor would do something nonsensical. Great generals don't make silly mistakes. Like, like, uh, don't cover your flank. You're charging the battle, you don't cover your flank. Every general knows you cover your flank. Of course you cover your flank. Who makes mistakes like that? Shalomor didn't make that kind of mistake. So, in this case, so far, Bernal says, logic dictates that he should not have made this mistake. Give me two more lines, two more minutes. I mean, exactly. He's so bright. He knew God. He understands what God's all about. And the existence of Hashem. As all his other works indicated. How? Why would he leave truth? They mean Bashav and listen and believe in a false, perverted notion. So this is what the rabbis taught. God forbid that he served idols. He wouldn't be that stupid. Only could you imagine if any of us over here went out and bought a little Buddha and bowed down to it? If any of you did that, I say, What's going on over here? You're too smart. You know Buddha can't do anything. No, no, I'm gonna pray to Buddha. Buddha's really we know Buddha's not going to do anything for you. No, if I bow down enough, my business will go up. The stock will go up. That's how Bill Gates makes it. He just bows down to Buddha all the time. So, you know it's silly. And if you heard Bill Gates bows down to Buddha because he knows it makes his business go up, would you believe that? He said, no, it can't be. Same thing over here. He didn't deserve it. The odd, more than that, if in fact you want to assert that Shlomo HaMelech believed in idolatry and he served it, how could he believe in all the foreign gods? He believed that he believed tell me, in in the Phoenician god. And Milkom, Shikut Amonim, the abomination of the Amonim, and Kemush, the god the abomination of Moab, which had all those all of them? You believe in all these gods? You say that Shalomar Melech who knew all this stuff, and he had the notion of one god. Only he believes in all these gods? The pagan nations would always switch in their beliefs. 
שכל אחד מהם הייתה עבודת אדם אחת ומחשת אלוה זאתה. It's not logical to believe that this man believed in this philosophy of life, in paganism. This doesn't make sense. That's the first point. Right? So therefore he says, the rabbis not too turned from the shot of the text. The rabbi said it can't be the case that this man, in other words, logic dictates how I interpret my pesukim. Pesukim, they tell me X. But logic sometimes say that your X is wrong. Because logic says he could not have done this type of stuff. Logic. Because he's too smart to do paganism. We'll end over here. We'll just finish a few more lines with Babanel and we'll go to our next topic. Thank you.